Discussing Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Discussing Trek, a Star Trek podcast and unofficial podcast about the CBS All Access series, Star Trek Discovery, Star Trek Picard, and, you know, whatever else they make in the future. <laughs> Today, we want to give our final thoughts on our Discussing Picard series, which, uh, you know, if we have some additional episodes you want to throw in there for people to watch, we may talk about that a bit, as well as a little bit errata from me errata that i want to address but our main discussion is going to be talking about idw's star trek picard countdown one and two as we wait with bated breath for the upcoming star trek picard series debuting in a few short weeks here like always i'm your host clarence and i'm joined by my fellow co-host slash trekkies starting with none other than cal jones how you doing man Hey, dude, I am pretty good. I'm kind of like you. I'm anticipating the 23rd to hurry up and get here. And I've been thinking that the 23rd, for some reason, I was thinking that it was on a Sunday, but it's on a Thursday. So I'm psyched about that. Yeah, they're sticking to this Thursday time frame, which kind of <laughs> sucks for us because <laughs> if we wait till Monday, you know, it's just quite a few days in there. But it gives us time to watch and digest and maybe we can have a thorough discussion the following Monday uh, and get it out to you, to our listeners out there. You guys are listening. But also on the podcast tonight, we have the Trek Storian, Jonathan Shorts. How you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good, man. Pretty good. Uh, glad to be on again. Super excited to see this new Picard series here. So bring it on, man. I'm ready. I wish I had a time machine or something. <laughs> I thought you hate time stuff. <laughs> I do, but if I can get to the premiere of this series, I'll do it. Oh, man. And also on the podcast, we have the Stargate story and Jeremy Barrow. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Once again, I'm glad to be here. Awesome sauce. Um, we want to thank you all you guys for listening, rating us, following us, liking us on whatever platform you're listening, watching or hearing us rant on. So we appreciate that, guys. And, you know, as long as you keep doing that, we love it. And we thank you for your support, guys. But I actually have some news today in the news and update section. So I don't know if you guys have been keeping up with it, but they have already announced who's going to be hosting the Star Trek Picard after show or the ready room as they call it and it's going to be none other than a will wheaton what do you guys think about that Mm. Uh Uh (laughs) Uh, no i'm all for it man i'm probably one of the few people that actually like wesley crusher so i I, I always i I always enjoyed his character so i think that'll be good yeah, and I get to see a lot of Will Wheaton in uh, Big Bang Theory, so. Ah. I think it's a cool twist. I mean, it's Will Wheaton has become known in the geek community for being Will Wheaton, but he's also Wesley Crusher. I think it's a cool twist. So, I, I mean, I'm for it. Yeah, I think it's cool. I mean, it makes me wonder, will he appear in the show or not? But, you know, I, I think it's a pretty cool, as you say, twist uh, to have him host. So, yeah, I guess I'm here for that. All right. Yeah. Moving right along, uh, I think we talked about this before, about the new showrunner, which we'll get into, but uh, Picard Season 2 has already been renewed uh, for, again, another season uh, with a new showrunner in tow, which will be Terry Matalis, who is taking over for Michael Chabon 
uh, as showrunner of Star Trek Picard in season two. Now, I mean, I don't know a lot of things this guy does. What I have seen that he's done, I didn't like that much. He did the show, if you remember, it was a sci-fi network show called 12 Monkeys, which mm. started very <laughs> promising, but it kind of lost my interest and eh, it, it wasn't that great to me, but you know, it, it may be, it may be cool. Uh, wow. I'm looking at his Wikipedia. He also did MacGyver for CBS. He's a showrunner for that. And. In Terra Nova, which I remember liking, but it got canceled. Yeah, that was an awesome show, and I was pissed me off when they canceled it. Yeah, I was mad too. Okay, he was a writer on Terra Terra Nova. Hmm, and he was a writer for Enterprise season three, so maybe I stand corrected. <laughs> <laughs> maybe but I. You stand did say Enterprise, corrected. so season three was strong, man. Don't hate. Oh, I just had to throw that in. Hey, Enterprise is not as bad as people say it is. <laughs> At least you. Awesome. It, at least you didn't say that he wrote the theme to Enterprise. Then we would have had problems. Moving right along, in addition to some of this other news that we got, we also got, you know, news of two, not one, mind you, but two new live action shows are in the works. To which I say, what? <laughs> this this is not including the section 31 series this is two in addition to that overload do, do we know what they're about yet no details at all on it ah uh, but the fact that they're live action i don't think they'll be skimping out you know <laughs> i think they're going to be putting their all into it but if you think of the grand scheme of things if they want to have something new running all year it might be a good idea but man you meant you said overload, John. <clears throat> yeah, and I, I, I'm thinking like we kind of touched on this once before. Like, I, it's going to kind of take away from the grandness of what we have because it's you know it's kind of going to the quantity over quality thing for me. Yeah, like if I have too much, I'm not going to do any. You know, I don't. Mm. It's kind of like the uh, what like CSI. Yeah, and true. Law and Order, you know, those yeah. things are really good at first, but now it's so many iterations of it. You're like, I um, don't really care anymore. <laughs> what are you saying, Jeremy? I was agreeing with Jonathan, you know, is, you know, you get, you know, these great sh- like CSI, for instance, you know, the first one was a great show. Then you had like CSI Miami and CSI New York and then CSI was a cyber something, something like that. You know, it's just, you know, you're just overwhelmed with CSI. And now they're doing it with this Chicago franchise. Yeah. Chicago Fire, Chicago PD, Chicago General, Chicago. Um, it's just oh, it, Chicago Sanitation. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that's coming. <clears throat> wow. Yeah, that is. You know what? I'm here for it, I think, but man, it does feel like it's a little bit of overload. But let me ask this, if you don't mind, let me ask this question. You know, we're, we're assuming, and, and Jonathan, you're 100% right. Usually what happens is you do lose quality when you have so much quantity. But what if we had four shows, five shows that did run pretty much year round, but they were all quality? Different? Yes. But quality? Yes. Would we be on board for that? When I say quantity over quality it's not necessarily that each individual show loses quality like each of those csi shows are very good quality shows but the quality of the experience is degraded 
Uh, I'm with you. I'm with you. you. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just not in. It's just. They were still the same procedure, no matter if you changed the characters and the situations. The procedure was still the same. Basically. Right. Um, right, yeah. right. So point taken. The oh, yeah. The overall experience just it just brings it down. And like I guess the best way to say it is dumbs it down. Well, I will say at least with this, the the huge difference is you have twelve episodes, thirteen at the most, versus twenty something <laughs> CSIs per series. You know, running per year. So I, I think you know the fact that the seasons are way shorter for these streaming shows might lend it to maybe have a little more content to fill the gaps. But, you know, you said quality. I'm just thinking of what we've gotten from this year's short tricks. <clears throat> and I know we haven't talked about all of them. We have like the last three to talk about, but I kind of feel like, especially with the last one, <laughs> that the quality just isn't, well, the quality of the story writing just isn't there is how I feel. I almost, I almost feel like they should take these short treks and they, they should take all these people who are wanting to do the, do these short, you know, Star Trek films that they disallow now. I almost feel like they should take those people and let them write the short treks and CBS produces them. You know, I think that would right. be a good, you know, thing to throw out to the fans. And, you know, some of these people come up with great stories and they can be well produced and, and, and through the, if officially through the Star Trek, you know, you know, canon and they can, you know, make it look like it's something that would fit in. So I don't know. I'm, I'm just a little, I just hope they keep the quality up, man. Cause if they're going to keep announcing all this stuff and introducing all these new shows, you know, we, we haven't seen anything from the section 31 show we heard about two years ago, you know? So, you know, they might be biting off a little bit too much right now. Have they even started production on Section Thirty One, or is that still? I don't think they have. Are they? Are they still talking? Basically, still talking about it. Still talking about it. I don't think they have. And for that matter, I think the last season of Discovery pretty much, in my mind, killed it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's good. That's. I, I would be interested to see how they would pull that off. But I agree with you. I think they did kind of kill it. Yeah, they got the two main characters I want to see in the Section 31 together are in different timelines right now. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. <clears throat> but, you know, I remember um, back around 2006, 2007, when they announced in the Doctor Who uh, universe that there would be a Torchwood spinoff in the Doctor Who story proper, there had pretty much been an obliteration of... Torchwood. So I was thinking, how can you have a Torchwood when you just destroyed Torchwood? So spoilers, but you see what I'm saying? So, but they, they just told a different type of story. They still could with this and make it interesting. Yeah, certainly true. Certainly true. So we're going to move along a little bit. So I wanted to first talk about some, you know, thoughts on wrapping up what we discussed in our discussing Picard series and uh, just See, did anyone have any additional thoughts? Because I have one episode I want to talk about and additional errata that you might want to add to the conversation. You know, is there any other episode that we didn't talk about that you think would be uh, that we should have or that's a must watch for the upcoming Picard series? And that's even going into, you know, a Voyager uh, if you if if you want to, um, because of seven or nine, of course. 
So anybody have any other additional thoughts, anything that we talked about before that maybe you think a little bit differently on or want to just shout out that we may have gotten wrong? Um, so I have one particular episode that just stands out to me. So and then I have something else I found online that I'll mention. But the one particular episode is the um, crap chain of command. Um, it's where Picard is taken hostage by Cardassian and it's the whole, there are four lights. <laughs> like, it, <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's funny, but it was some of his best acting, number one. And number two, you get a lot of insight into like the deepest parts of Picard. Like he's broken to his bare, bare, bare soul. Like he, he has nothing left, but I don't know, like his pure instincts. And that's what you see in that episode. Wow. And that 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 is a very good one. You should we should all definitely watch. And that's Chain um, of Command. Chain of Command. Okay. Yes. Um, and the next thing is so on TrekMovie.com, there is a list for someone who just kind of really doesn't know where to start to kind of be get a base to start Picard. They have a procrastinator's guide <laughs> that kind of gives you a, a general guideline to of things to watch so you can prep yourself for it. And they're estimating it'll take about nine hours if you want to watch it all the way through. So and it kind of touches on episodes from TNG and Voyager and the movies and all that good stuff. So I I'll send you that link also, Clarence, and you can post it for us. I'm interested to see what Voyager episodes are on there. Well, I can tell you if I have time. Um, let's see. So Voyager, we're looking at Scorpion. Mm-hmm. Uh, one in part one and two. Okay. Hmm. And, and it's, it's kind. Of, it's just kind of giving you a little deep delve into Seven of Nine. Uh, and that's pretty much all the Voyager episodes are going to be like Raven and right. Infinite Regress and Dark Frontier. So all that is pretty much all on Seven of Nine. Uh, so it lists about five Voyager episodes based off based on Seven of Nine to kind of give you a refresher. Yeah, that's good because I was going to say like any pretty much any featured Seven of Nine episode is good to a good primer for you. Uh, I also was going to add like all of the Next Generation movies. <laughs> they're all mostly really good, but I think you especially need to watch Nemesis. And, um, I would even say, uh, um, uh, the, the wow, first contact is a good one to watch as well. Cause you get to see Picard in some good moments. Um, you know, the whole Nemo thing, uh, which is pretty good is in that movie. Um, uh, yeah, so I would definitely say all the movies and, and check, check any Voyager seven to nine episode out. And I was going to, Add also Descent 1 and 2, which I think is season 6 finale, season 7 premiere. And this one I got to go back and watch as as well. But it's basically, and I think you brought it up before, uh, John, but it's basically the uh, conclusion to Hugh's story where Lore kind of comes and portrays himself as their god. Right. And and really good because Hugh winds up... uh, Eventually, at the end of the episode, he winds up siding back with Picard and being like their true leader going forward. And that's the continued story that we haven't seen. So that definitely is going to play into Picard coming up. So I said, watch that one. Um, also, I'm going to say these countdown books, which we're going to talk, they're 
quick reads. So I'm always a little weary about the IDW stuff because it's canon, but until it's not. (laughs) (laughs) So, so I would say pick up those if you can for just additional media. And also I'm just go real quick into my bit of a rata that I had. And I don't know. Well, let me, let me ask you guys, did you have anything else like Cal or Jeremy? Did you have any uh, recommended? I I wanted to jump in real quick and say, I am really, really glad that we did this because a lot of these episodes I've not seen probably in 10 plus years. I'm glad we did it. And I hope everyone listening has watched along with us because it made me, even though I already liked Picard and I liked the next generation, it refreshed my memory on some of these episodes, which I think is really cool going into something that we're going to see new, but has a lot of nostalgia tied to it. So that's kind of my closing discussing Picard comments. What about you, Jeremy? Anything? Um, You you know, I'm a big seven or nine fans. I've been kind of going back and watching some of her episodes and uh, the Omega directive is probably one of my favorite go-to episodes of the seven or nine era. So, I mean, that's just, that's, that's kind of where uh, I'm more for seven of nine than I am for Picard at this point. <laughs> seven of nine definitely <laughs> kind of digs into the character of seven of nine, pretty more, a lot more of her Borg instincts than human, but yeah, that definitely brings out some emotion from her. Yeah. Yeah, man. Just, it's awesome that they were willing to tie her into this new series. Cause <clears throat> it, to me, it brings, I mean, I haven't seen one frame of the new episode yet other than the trailers, but it, it bridges the gaps, a gap of all those people who were, you know, up until Enterprise were saying Voyager is the bastard of the, <laughs> of the, <laughs> the Star Trek family, you know? Uh, yeah, I just love the way it brings the gap and bring those two series together. I mean, it, I just think that's really, really freaking awesome. Um, but, um, other than, you know, Jordy being on timeless, you know, as a captain, I thought that anyway. Um, so, <laughs> so I want to go through a bit of errata, you know, stuff that we just totally got wrong that I know of. And I don't know if you guys ha- have anything, but Picard's brother Robert and Renee, I was like, Oh, it'd be cool if they like bring them back on the forum, but no, because Renee and Robert actually died in a fire. Yes, this is canon. So if you watch Star Trek Generations, it he uh, Picard in a very distraught way mentions them being killed in a fire. So man, that made me really wow. sad. <laughs> so why did I not know that? You know, now that you mentioned, I do remember seeing that part, and I don't know why they didn't strike me when we were talking. About so now I feel stupid. Thanks, appreciate no, that. I mean, don't man, because that I mean. Honestly, that's that's just. I mean, I didn't didn't know else remember, so it's not you. But still, that's harsh. That is freaking harsh, man. I'm like, wow. <laughs> but go ahead. Oh no, I was sorry. I was just reading a, another note that I had here. Um, and it's kind of off topic, but I'll throw it in there anyway since I'm talking. Um, so the. CBS team has added in a science consultant for their production, uh, Dr. Aaron McDonald. That's interesting. Hmm. Uh, I wonder how. So, you know, there's always that question of like, is this scientifically plausible? And I wonder, are they working on that? I don't Hmm. 
probably to a certain extent, but our friend Lee Shackleford, who's actually wrote on the on the next generation, talks of and maybe I can paste part of one of his interviews at the end of this, but he talks about how, you know, they said don't sweat the science. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> tell a good story is kind of what they tell the writer. So yeah. right. <clears throat> anyway, just a little tidbit. I just That's cool. Right. That's cool. But uh I mean my last bit of errata here. Um so I'm said kudos to Jeremy because you mentioned this and we didn't really go into it, but you mentioned before, of course, at the end of Nemesis. So according to the IDW Star Trek countdown book, which is the book that came out before the Star Trek re the Abrams Star Trek reboot movie, Data is a captain. You know, I don't know if this is gonna remain canon. I think they may retcon it, which I think this this countdown book for Picard they were going to talk about retcons it a little bit possibly. But in that book, in the IDW 2009 Star Trek countdown book, Data is the captain of the Enterprise. And how that happened is that, you know, at the end of Nemesis, of course, when he was singing the song and had Data's memories imprinted on him, it took. And, he, and before long, he was full-fledged Data. So data is technically still alive in canon up until we get this Picard show. So we'll see. And that's kind of what I went with after nemesis. Yeah. So hmm. well, that was my hope anyway. <laughs> like, I mean, everybody <laughs> hope that I'm sure. I mean, I know that's not what they meant to, I mean, you know, that's not how the story ended, but that's kind of where I went with it. Yes. Not, not him being captain, but I knew he was going to still be alive. I was hoping. Yeah. But but it, I feel like from the trailers that they're rewriting that, um, which is weird and which is funny because the guy who wrote the 2009 Star Trek countdown book, like one of the writers, writers was Alex Kurtzman. <laughs> so he's really he's really he's retconning his own book that he <laughs> I mean, of hmm. course, he, he didn't write this one. Christian Bear and uh, forget the other Mike Johnson wrote, you know, the Picard countdown. But the fact that he's allowing it to be retcon, and maybe they might tie it in. I don't know. We're just two books in, but still. <laughs> wow. Good stuff, man. Yeah, but I I think we're ready to go ahead and get into our main discussion. We'll probably be out of here pretty quick, but, you know, getting our main discussion of IDW Star Trek Picard countdown one and two. What really happened to Jean-Luc Picard after Nemesis? And what is the story behind the mission that would change Picard? Forever. Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand the battle station. I'll give you the right. You cannot destroy an idea. At ease before you sprain something. So we're just going to kind of cover these books together because book one has a lot of info, I think. But book two pretty much has nothing. <laughs> so um, I'm just going around the horn and just get people's um, get you guys. It's just overall thoughts on these two books. You know, we talk about these IDW books and talk about them being meaty or kind of lacking. So we'll just get just give me your thoughts and we'll, we'll talk it out. And so let's start with you, Jeremy. What do you think, man? Um, you know, I have a hard time following comic books just because of the setup, and I'm not sure if the comic book is the right term for these, but um, or graphic features or whatever the proper terminology is. Um, but I, I actually enjoyed this one because it was this one was easier for me to follow than most others I've read before. 
And so uh, it was, I was able to actually enjoy it more, if that makes any sense whatsoever. No, absolutely, man. Uh, what do you think, John? Um, so kind of going on the same line with Jeremy, I was just, it's hard to, it's hard to kind of get, and you said that already a few times, get any meat off the bones with these, but these were done really well considering like I got more from these, from these two books than I've gotten from any other comic style literature that I've ever read. Um, and maybe maybe it's a lot to do with because of who's in them, but I do have an issue just because you don't recognize anyone but Picard, and that's where I kind of get lost a lot of it. You know what I mean? You mean stylistically it, as a drawing or no, art? no, 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 not the art, just the, the story, you ah. know? the characters, the story. Like it, it's a great story, but I just it doesn't stick with me because I'm. Not, I can't draw connections anywhere. You understand what I'm saying? Maybe I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's it's kind of a standalone story for me. So there, therefore, I don't really get a lot. I don't really dive deep into what could be connected, what what could mean. But overall, it was a great story, and I enjoyed it. What about you, Cal? Mm. So I'm going to change up the intro just a little bit in saying I practically live in comic books. So it was easier for me to delve into this. But that being said, Clarence, you've you've said before, and I'm going to echo Jeremy and Jonathan's sentiment in about a lot of times it's hard to find meat on the bones with these stories. But I, again, liked this. Um, I think it had a message. And they're delivering their message to you, but they're, to me, not coming across as preachy with it. And that I appreciate. So I was actually, you know, got to the second episode. I know the the issue and I know the third one hasn't come out yet, but I'm curious to know how this ends. Yeah, uh, for me, for me, I, I felt like it should have been a little more epic. And I say that, but they may, we may see that epic portion in the show itself. You know, I'm sure they'll do a flashback. Uh, but overall, I'm not really feeling this sense of this story changing Picard forever. You know? No. It's <laughs> supposed to be the whole premise for why he's, you know, I guess out on the, farm or his vineyard at, at, at the beginning of Picard. You know, we don't know anything about Picard, the show proper yet. So, I mean, I guess I really can't say, but it, it just doesn't feel like this life-changing event so far. Now, I think also what's interesting, and that's kind of my overall view, but getting into the comic, like also what's interesting is, you know, I talked about Kirksman writing the book from 2009 Star Trek countdown prelude to the 2009 Abrams movie. But this book retcons a lot of stuff in that actual book. So in, in the 2009 book, and if you remember the movie, it's all about, you know, this, this Hobus star going supernova and uh, destroying Romulus and uh, Spock pleading with the Romulan people. And then eventually trying to stop the supernova after it is already destroyed Romulus. So that's like the premise of, 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 of the, the Abrams movie, which, you know, they go back in time, change time, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but, 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 but that book 
is really good to me because it's a great detailed primer for what you get in that movie. Things from that book that I think get changed in this book. Okay. And maybe we might get there. I don't know. But for right now, for my feeling is that it got a retcon. Again, you have uh, Captain Data. You have Ambassador to Vulcan Picard in that book. You have retired Jordy LaForge who built the uh, spider ship, not spider, the whatever ship. Uh, the Verity, the jellyfish. Yeah, the, gel- or... the jellyfish ship. Yeah. 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 Uh, La- LaForge built that ship in that story. So it's a lot of stuff that I feel like doesn't line up, but we, we may get there. And it, I kind of look at it as kind of the, the short tricks for Discovery when we were watching them. Like, if they tie it in and make it meaningful, meaningful, then these stories and these books will be a lot more meaningful. If not, it kind of it kind of loses its value. Yeah. So, so I'm going to tell you a way that it, another way it doesn't tie in, which is pretty big to me. So both of these books, you know, being the 2009 book and this book here, like center around the whole Hobus Supernova, you know, uh, that book is more closely to when it, when it actually goes off. And this one, we starting off a few years earlier in that book, Spock is the one who alerted the Romulan people that the supernova was happening, but we're seeing in this book, it was like, you know, intercepted communications, and it's like many years earlier. So they're already right. like kind of the story. But be that as it may, <laughs> I feel like I'm giving a history lesson here. No, you're fine. I mean, I mean, these are facts that you kind of really don't know if you didn't go into anything after TNG, you know? Yeah, it's kind of like So that. you kind of need it. And then it kind of throws into question. So what's the episode of TNG where uh, Picard and Data meet Spock and they're trying to form a uh, peace between the Romulus and Vulcan? Yeah, I forgot the episode, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I absolutely. thought about that earlier and I meant to actually go back and watch it to see if it would have any tie ins. It would be awesome if it did. But if it did, then that probably would throw this whole IDW books into chaos, too. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just the, my whole thing with these books and any ancillary material to the show proper, I just want it to be in canon. That's like my only requirement, because <laughs> like I, I don't want to read something. I don't feel like I like you said before with the time stuff. I don't feel like I'm wasting my time by reading it, you know, if right. it's just going to get and I think it's altered by clever story writing. I'm down for that, which comic right. books are good about most of the time. <laughs> But, you know, this is kind of a different beast. But let's get into this book where we see two Romulans on the Picard form, uh, a Laris and a Zaban. Anything? Mm, I don't know a bottle of that Chateau Picard they have sitting there on the floor. (laughs) Uh, Add freaking placement, man. Right. Add placement. Um, So that that was kind of, I don't know, did any of you guys actually place that they were Romulan? At first glance. Yeah, I did. I did. Cause I was like, like what race, even if I didn't think they were Romulans, I would have to take into the words. They say like, why would, why would they be treated differently if they were there? You know? And well, I mean, it could have been any other race. Well, out I, of think, a million. Mm, I think Xenophobia no, you look is at not the ears, you kind of say it. Go ahead. Well, see, I didn't, I, no, I was just saying, you look at their ears. You can kind of, that's how I kind of 
thought that they were Romulan was based on their ears and and the 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 peak in their hair. See, I didn't see. Uh, I mean, at first, I didn't notice the ears and the hair. I just looked at it as two humans oh, no. on Picard's form. And then I had to go, once I discovered they were human, I had to go back and look at them and say, wait, where are they? Well, they definitely mentioned being treated differently and felt like they yeah. were not welcome there. So that's another giveaway that they're probably not human. <laughs> I mean, they, well, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> <Never> <laughs> they what? <laughs> politically correct here <laughs> but, but you know what I think this is a, a trap that presenting characters that you originally see Clarence we've talked about the Doctor Who stuff in comics before in the sense of when you have something so visually represented in your mind about what a person or a species or a race based on what you've seen live action you then put it in comics I think that is one of the pitfalls of putting it into comics and having seen live action first is it's harder to make a comic look like a real person rather than taking a comic and then having a real person interpret that. Yeah, especially if they're not in like the rumbling get up, you know, I can well, see. It, yeah. True. All right. We hmm. after that, you know, the guy says, uh, we we owe the man who risked it all, blah blah, <laughs> Picard. <laughs> he doesn't say Picard straight up, but you know we owe the man who risked everything. Um, so I mean, we go to the uh, Utopia Planitia shipyards, which I thought was a pretty cool scene. Um, again, not a lot to get here, but Jordy is like building a bunch of ships. Um, any thoughts on seeing Jordy, you know, take over this task to this very important task that's been assigned to him by the Admiral? Should have been Chief O'Brien. Oh, no, I'm, just, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. Um, I'm, I'm, I was happy to see that actually. Like, I, that's who should be doing it. Yeah, I think you know. Yes, Chief O'Brien probably would have been the better engineer, but to do something on such a massive scale and to make sure that it is, you know, they're having to do it so fast because they're racing against the unseen clock. Air quotes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You know, everything's going to have to be done in a specific order, a specific way by the book, but very fast. I think LaForge could accomplish that before Chief O'Brien. I think Chief O'Brien may take shortcuts or get distracted. You know what I mean? He, a lot of duct tape and wishes. Yeah. Okay, it'll be done good, <laughs> but it's duct tape and wishes. But I'm, I, to me, it like inspires confidence that it'll be done. And they kind of allude to that on that on further in that he's ahead of schedule. And I think that's just because it is LaForge and he is efficient. Yeah, I think especially when talking about something so technical, I was just watching the episode where Jordy meets the engine creator lady. I can never remember her name that uh, he had the hologram over first when he yeah. like, meets her for real. And like this dude, future he, wife. <laughs> yeah, future wife, according to the, um, you know, all good things. But he makes so many freaking modifications to the engines that, you know, she deems brilliant, you know. So I could definitely right. see somebody like that that has that technical prowess <laughs> actually trying to get these ships together. I, I don't know. This is maybe a little early to bring this up. But this is so when I got to this part, I immediately because I just like before I read this one, I watched the short tricks. 
and what's the one? The girls of Mars or the daughters from Mars or yeah. whatever the case may be. Yeah. The I mean, I I think that's a tie in here. Do you yes. Not? Yeah, you're right. They mention it. And then at the spoilers, has anybody yeah. ever watched it? Well, I, I, I have not, but go ahead. Well, I, I won't spoil the people listening to it. For the person they show on the screen at the end of it, it, it makes it doubly feel like a tie-in. Right. And and uh, so going through the rest of this book, you kind of start forming a hypothesis of what happened. So I'm thinking, mm. you know, these Romulans are here saying they owe Picard everything because he... He risked everything, but we know him further down in the book that he kind of goes against the Romulans. So, and there's another species that were aggressive toward the Romulans, and the short trick shows an attack. I'm just saying, all yeah. that. Wow, mm. I didn't even dig in that far. Mm. I didn't. Wow. I didn't even see the ship. I couldn't tell what type of ships they were, but totally could be those people doing this. Now, if that be the case. Then this is a book well read. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause I don't think we've seen, not to my regulation, and I definitely can be wrong. I don't think we've seen a big a view of Utopia <laughs> Planitia as we see in that short trick. No, we don't. Which I thought was that, that might have been the most interesting part about it to see that <laughs> view of the, you know, again, just seeing it in this book, I thought the same thing, but I didn't tie it in so closely, but you were exactly right. <laughs> so, and from all of that, I just kind of started, that's what kind of made me like, hey, this may actually be a good story. So I read it all the way through. And I, like I said, I did enjoy it, but if it doesn't tie in again, it's pointless. Interesting. But isn't that something that's cool about the, if, if if it is tied, let's assume for a moment that all of that is tied. The way that they've crafted the short track, the way they're crafting this book, and I'm assuming the way they're going to craft the series proper, you read, you watch all three of these, you get a bigger tapestry of the story, but you omit any one of those and you don't lose out from the story. You just don't have that added tidbit of information so i think that's kind of cool if they because if you don't if you're not forced to read and watch all three to get the complete story but if you do you get a better in-depth story i think that's cool yeah yeah that is i'd agree so we see laforge gets a um transmission from admiral picard who is the captain of the uss verity and um well not admiral of the USS Verde, excuse me. But he's <laughs> but we see that uh he, he congratulates Jordy for a job well done. You know, a lot of work to do, but you're doing making record time on this fleet. And he speaks of the extreme Romulan secrecy <laughs> and a and and actually talks about his ultimate mission that we find out is to save the Romulan people from this supernova, which it could, you know, destroy their planet as long as surrounding planets in the Romulan Empire. And um, so, first off, like, what do we think about them even allowing, like, the Federation to come in and help them? And it, it just seems a little weird to me. But, <laughs> but uh, what, what do you guys think about that? What if it's a setup? 
because it felt like a setup to me. Like you, you're you're wanting help, but I think that's just a camouflage or a subterfuge for a, another avenue. I, I I just think that that was come help us, but we're doing something else. Hmm. Now, but wouldn't that be like a overkill of a setup? N- not. I mean, you're talking about a true long game. To, or, or to could, what end? Or could it just be both? I mean, yeah, we need your help. We're going to accept your help, but while you're helping us, we're going to do this as well. Yeah, true. True. That sounds more Ron Millen than anything. <laughs> but if you were, if your end game was getting Picard. You needed to up the stakes in order for him to respond at that level. Very true. Because you wouldn't, that's probably the only way you would get Pogart. Yeah. And again, if we're talking about this being a task or a mission that would change Picard forever, you know, I'm looking at the book like, oh, this looks so, doesn't look as grand as I thought it should. But if you look at the enormous task that's in his hands, you know, to save the Remlin people. He's, he's leading these efforts. He's like in charge of it, <laughs> you know? So, so while it might not feel on the surface, like it's like a huge thing that is very daunting, you know, especially if you don't succeed in the way you thought you would <laughs> succeed. And that might be what we're going to see. Yeah. Well, maybe his failure was the destruction of uh, the shipyards. Yeah. Or we might even find, like, even though this seems to be retconning things, maybe Romulus still gets destroyed and people still die, you know, the same way that it did, you know, before. Mm. This doesn't really change anything, even though we know in advance, you know. Okay, so so let me pose a third option to you. What if, (coughs) excuse me, I'm sorry. What if we, we, okay, we obviously see that the, the the lady that is over everything that she's got her own agenda what if picard has to come to a agreement or an agreement with her that in order to save everyone that he's trying to save he somehow it has to take blame for something that she does oh. and and that's what puts him out of no longer being an admiral, kind of in the hmm. retired. Interesting. So instead of court martialing or whatever, they just give him early retirement. Wow. Or maybe to help her, he has to do something that's outside of the lines of Starfleet. Or or that too. Yes. Mm. Like Interesting. she are maybe. Mm. But if he, uh, well. <laughs> wow interesting interesting thoughts man interesting uh predictions cool. here yeah definitely so there is a lot of meat on the bones on this book yeah once you dig in a bit yeah but one of the other things i liked in the story is uh seeing picard's first officer lieutenant commander rafi and i might be saying this wrong rafi musiker whom if you've seen any of the trailers you've already seen this character so that's another thing that got me like, oh, that's freaking cool. We see a new character before the show. <laughs> see, I missed that in the trailer. I was wanting to ask, and I'm glad you brought that up, if that was somebody we had seen in the trailer. That is cool. I'm assuming it's the same character because they look. Because it looks. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I didn't. I did. I, they probably named the character already. I just didn't research, but I'm pretty sure it's the same character. And we find out that she's Starfleet's foremost expert in Romulan affairs, which is pretty freaking cool. And, you know, again, 
the cool thing about this book, I think, <clears throat> is definitely giving me a a more ideas about what's going to happen in Picard proper. You know, it's introducing me to this character. Uh, you know, after covering these comics, I went back and read some things that you know made the whole vault Borg thing that we see in the trailer a little more clear, you know? So plenty of cool stuff going on that I feel like in the show proper is just going to be freaking awesome. <laughs> so I can't wait, but you know, the real crux of the matter, and I, you know, no use to belabor it anymore. Uh, Picard is sent off to this planet called, I'm going to say yacht. Yeah. Yacht. You yacht. Yacht beta. Probably saying that wrong. And, <laughs> And there is a, a, a Romulan colony there. The colony is a little bit different, a little more liberal than other uh, Romulan colonies. They let Picard go about searching the place and looking at, at the colony that is only supposed to be about 10,000 evacuees. But he stumbles upon this native species there mining or tending the vineyards. So I guess I could throw this out there. Uh why would they think they could get away with this? I mean, th- any clue why why they wouldn't think Picard would see this as just a egregious act? <laughs> I, uh, you know, I kind of questioned that when I got to that part, and they were kind of just like nonchalantly, like hope. I mean, just thinking that that was going to be okay. Yeah, I was like, why, why, what, what made you think this would be okay? But see, that's part of the subterfuge that I was feeling in the sense of, you know, if you knew anything about Picard and assuming that the people at the level that they are would know plenty about Picard, that this was all a setup. Hmm. Interesting. I see. That would make more sense. Well, I mean, I hate, I guess I do it all the time, but I hate tying things to the real world. But this is like if somebody came and saw some, you know, somebody from a very liberal country or a free country goes to a country where people have slaves and they're just supposed to like look at it like it's not even happening, you know, like they're not real people, which, okay, this is a different race, but this is a group of sentient species and how, and that we found out by the book too, that they're very advanced sentient species. So, yeah, a little weird that they would just not even register, you know, and not even register on their mind that that is a group of people that need to be saved. And what's more, and I think what may have been even more pressing to Picard, like how many more planets that they've not been told about that there are other sentient yeah. species, which is that's really heavy. That's really stupid. <laughs> you have you got a star going supernova and you're still trying to keep secrets. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Everything's like, about to die. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, uh, that 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 was a weird. But I mean, I can kind of get where you're going. It's you know they look these these species is so like low downgraded to them that they don't even consider it an issue anymore. Yeah. I guess it's just kind of like humans riding horses and somebody come to evacuate us. They're like. Are you taking your horses? <laughs> no, your horses. <laughs> hey, that horse is smart. <laughs> All right. Oh man, that's funny. That's funny. Um, so we see Picard gets thrown in jail, which you know 
Shiana, if I'm saying that right. What? I mean, let's go ahead and get into the book too. I mean, just just go ahead and we'll leave it open. People just y'all just jump in and give your thoughts because <laughs> the book two is not a lot in it. I don't feel. Bakara gets thrown in prison. He gets sprung by the the species that were working the fields, and we find that the two people we see at the beginning of the book, Laris and Zavon, are actually there, and they are helping the native species um, escape. And we find out they're former members of the or current members of the Tal Shiar. Like any thoughts on that whole them being a part of the escape? Mm, now, if there was any time I thought set up, that was it. Set up in what sense? I'm still trying to get the setup thing. You guys are, are like, yeah. like if this truly is a grand scheme by the Romulans or the Tal Shiar to like set Picard up to maybe capture him to get secrets or whatever the case may be. Uh, like I, I just felt like this was too, uh, it was like a gift in a nice bow. You know what I mean? Like it, it was just too simple. That was too easy. Mm-hmm. See, and, too and my thing about the setup is, you know, they get on the ship, they've been rescued and then they take over the ship. So that's where right. I'm going from the perspective <clears throat> that they're trying to take over the Federation fleet, perhaps, who, you know, whether it's for their own evacuations, whether it's for military, whatever, that's where it, it seemed like, you know, they immediately get on. They've taken Picard out. He's not on the ship. They get rescued. They say he's, you know, been attacked and assumed dead. And for what's the first thing they do? They take over the ship. And they can do that across all the fleets that are trying to be rescued. So True. Yeah. I just, I just thought it was weird. Like, why... Like, uh, how believe do should we believe? Like, it's hard enough to believe that the Romulans would betray their own people. Yeah, and then you're telling me not only Romulan but a member of the Tal Shiar, and like these people, the Tal Shiar are not like you don't <laughs> just go sign up for the Tal Shiar and you become. You know what I mean? Like these yeah. are lifelong, life trained assassins or spies or whatever you want to call them. Like they didn't just flip because this indigenous species were being put in slavery. That's not what caused it. Mm, you wouldn't think. You wouldn't, you wouldn't think. think. Unless there's a... And with Romulans, there's always an alternative scheme going on. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. And I can say, if you think about the logic behind Shiana and the people of, of EI Beta, like, actually taking over the Verity and other ships, it makes sense. It makes sense. They are this race that are this uh, species of people who think they're dominant. They they are secretive. They crave power and their world and empire is fixing to be destroyed. It's going to be gone. So what does that leave them with? That leaves them either that leaves them basically inhabiting other worlds and trying to assimilate into those societies. But if they still want to hold on to this power, they need a drastic move. Right. And and this may be the only way they can retain that power. Um, the twisted web they weave. <laughs> Indeed, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. That's this is whenever you get to going about Romulan conspiracy, like there's no limits to it, I guess. <laughs> 
But that's still a long stretch. Like, evacuate our entire species because of a star that's going supernova? And they, I mean, the star is going supernova, right? Yeah. Based off of previous books. And so that's not a, that's not a ruse. No, not at all. So they have to be evacuated. Uh, maybe they're using it. Using it because they have no choice? Right. Mm. Good point. All right, guys. Well, I think I've exhausted all my points about this episode. I mean, issues. <laughs> you know, again, again, uh, cool that you can dive in and get a, some discussion from this, but not just a huge amount of uh, meat on, what, 15 pages, 20 pages. Um, so uh, any other thoughts before we wrap this up? Any guys have anything to take away before we leave? Maybe Jeremy, you had hardly anything to say. <laughs> um, I, I know it's a neat little Doctor Who reference that uh, – in the in the middle there, the Verity is Verity Lambert is the one of the creators of the original Doctor Who. Yeah, way back in the sixties. Hmm. So I don't know if that was intentional or not, but I just thought that was neat. <laughs> Kudos cool. for you for getting the reference. <laughs> <laughs> what about? Oh, I, I still. I- I gotta watch these trailers again because I did not realize the his first officer was in a trailer. Yeah, yeah, she's definitely in there. And um, maybe we can look up the name Rafi Musiker. No, we right. pull up some images of her, but but yes, that's uh, it appears to be her. <laughs> Scared if I type that wrong in Google, I'm gonna see crazy. <laughs> <laughs> You'll see what? <laughs> You'll see all kind of craziness. Oh yeah, Mary Alpha. Well, it shows, yeah. it shows the comic version on Memory Alpha. You know, there's a... Uh, I've been sitting here trying to find the trailer. If I'm not mistaken, one of the trailers shows Picard like sitting in a ship or something, and there's a window with a planet that's kind of getting bombed and destroyed. Really? And, you know, that's at the end of our Mars short trick. That's kind of the ending of it, too. Hmm. I need to go back and do some scrubbing. I can't find that freaking (laughs) trailer, man. I don't even know where it is. So, Kyle, you have any any final thoughts on these two books? The only other thing I'd say is I've still, like, I'll kind of go reference what I said at the beginning. I want to see the third one or read the third one because it's it's kept my interest enough to where I want to know how this turns out. Is there expected release for the third one? I don't. I don't know if it's going to be three or four. I hope it's just three because I don't seem like I'm going to have that much time. I would assume this week or hopefully this week because you know the show comes out on twenty third. So, um, not that much time <laughs> next Thursday as of our recording. Hmm. So did did we know that? Uh, does Netflix not have rights to show this in any other countries anymore? Uh, Canada. Well, everywhere, everywhere but the U.S. and Canada, I think. So I'm on StarTrek.com, and it was under in the little fine print by the one of the trailers. It says Star Trek Picard will premiere exclusively on January 23rd on CBS All Access in the United States, Canada. Um, oh, on, in the United States and Canada on Bell Media's Sci-Fi Channel, blah blah blah, and on January 24th, Amazon Prime Video in more than 200 countries and territories. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah, they didn't mention the, Netflix. Yeah, Amazon got the rights outside the U.S. The the North America, like 
Netflix did with Discovery, which is weird. Uh, but you know yeah. they got to get them books any way they can. <laughs> so, but, and that's probably because I, like my I watch CBS All Access through my Amazon Prime account. Uh, I mean, I still pay for CBS All Access, but they have a CBS All Access section in Amazon Prime Video. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. hmm. Interesting. All right. Did you have any final thoughts, then, John? Or were, were you good? Oh <laughs> uh, no, no. I probably talked enough through this too. <laughs> I wouldn't. I didn't get. Like I said, it wasn't a whole lot. I mean, it is a whole lot, but as far as specifically to this book, it wasn't a whole lot. Yeah, certainly, certainly. All right, guys. Well, once again, we're ready to wrap this up. The next time we review is probably going to be Star Trek Picard. So that's exciting. <laughs> yeah. He screams from the rooftops. <laughs> Just don't fall. Don't fall. But always, guys, thank thank you for listening. Thank you for joining. You can hit us up at Discussing Network on all of the social medias. But I'd be remiss if I didn't give my companions here on this episode a chance to shout out what they're up to, what they may be watching, listening to, or what podcast work they've been doing. And I'm going to start off with Jonathan Shorts. Oh, man. As usual, not a thing. Um, started watching Sherlock, so that's new. But other than that, nothing. Not much. Hey, but I do have a comment, something I forgot. Uh, just a tidbit of information. Did you know that uh, when Patrick Stewart was were first approached to do the Picard series, he was kind of against it? Uh, because, and he said, let me go back and let me read it word for word so I don't get it wrong. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? I'll screenshot it there somewhere. Okay. He says, the the European Union always made me feel, well, like we were heading towards our own federations of planets somewhere down that line. And, well, somewhere down the line. And he was angry and disappointed about their decision to leave the European Union. And he felt like if he would step back into that Picard role, there was no hope for that future and he wouldn't really do as well with it. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> but he said once uh, once the producers described the transform landscape they envisioned for Picard, uh, Stewart got on board saying that his interest was intensely sparked. Yeah, I think one of his main objections uh, is that he just didn't want to be another next generation 2.0. You know, yeah, uh, he wanted something vastly different. And it seems like from what these trailers have shown us and the clamorings we've heard, it's going to be vastly different. So but with en- enough of touch of the old stuff to keep us, you know, jumping yeah. now. <laughs> and one more thing, Picard Riker 20. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's make it happen. Make it so. Make it so. That's actually on the bottom of the shirt that I'm going to order, too. (laughs) Make it so. Oh, Jeremy, man, what you got? Listening to? Podcast related otherwise? Watching? Um, I just, you know, I'm like Jonathan, just nothing else going on, but just kind of, I think the um, Academy Award nominations were announced today. And I was surprised that the movie Joker received 11 nominations. Oh, yeah. The most, the most for any comic book movie ever, I believe. Interesting. It's a good movie, man. 
Have you guys oh, seen yeah. it? Yes. Yes. Yeah, it's, 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 you know, went in with no <laughs> expectations where it was shocked, appalled and, and, you know, entertained. So, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a great one though. I, I really enjoyed that movie. Man, I hired this employee at work and I'm not going to call a name. Uh-oh. And he like <laughs> one day somebody said something that was funny and he started laughing and I didn't I didn't look at him. But I swear to you, it was a perfect match for the Joker laugh. It's like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God, he's crazy. My youngest child, when this movie came out, was obsessed with Joker. He went and saw it like three times. He dressed up as Joker for the uh, oh my for God. Halloween. I was I was I was kind of worried for a while serious. there that I may not make it through the may not make it through the fall. Oh boy! <laughs> so he's but, uh, off the list for Thanksgiving. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh man. So, Kyle Jones, man, what are you working on podcast later otherwise, dude? Well, considering the fact we've got a new series of Doctor Who out right now, I would just point everyone to DiscussingWho.com as we're going through and reviewing all of those. But what about you? What are you watching or working on? Uh, I'm just going to reiterate what you just said. Uh, it is peak Doctor Who time. So definitely check out the Discussing Who podcast where we talk all things Doctor Who are heavy into the current season, which, uh, you know, first two episodes are pretty strong. So yeah, hopefully that keeps going. But yeah, if you're into Doctor Who, um, check us out at discussingwho.com as well as check out the Relativity podcast. We are, you know, deep, deep, deep in the current season. But if you haven't listened, you, sh- you owe yourself to check out an audio podcast. An audio serial for years in mind. So yeah, definitely check that out at the relativity podcast.com. But that's all for us guys. Uh, we are next time we're here to speak. We'll be hopefully reviewing uh, star Trek Picard. The wait is over. The wait is over. So definitely make sure you check us out and subscribe. So you catch all our reviews and we appreciate you listening once again. And until next time, guys live long and prosper. Thanks for listening to the Discussing Trek podcast. For more information, go to discussingtrek.com slash subscribe. If you enjoyed this podcast, you may also like Relativity is an audio drama serial about two people, a woman on Earth and a man in space, struggling to remain connected, to help one another through life and death situations. Their only link across the vast emptiness of the cosmos is the sound of each other's voices. Find out more at RelativityPodcast.com. Discussing at work.